What if I told you growth happens after the collapse? What if I told you separately we are weak, but together we change the world? This is a personal development social experiment designed to grow the participants, the producer, and the audience equally. This is 30 for 30. Welcome back to 30 for 30. This is Coach Nash. Uh, the 30 for 30 series was just a brainchild of mine to inspire good conversation between uh, two professionals to help grow each other and maybe help grow our listeners at the same time. Um, my guest today is a good friend of mine, man, Joe Price. Uh, he currently uh, has a role at UTSA, uh, formerly at the University of Illinois, but I knew him way back when he was a high school coach at one of the best uh, schools in the nation, North Shore. Uh, high school. So, Coach Price, welcome, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Coach Nass. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem, man. It's a it's a pleasure for me to talk to you, man, because, uh, you know, first of all, I'm proud to, to see uh, a man just enter and follow his dreams and make things work, man. Just, uh, I guess, if you if you don't mind, give, give all the listeners, like, uh, a little bit of a background of how you got to UTSA. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I got to start, you know, I, I played ball coming up, grew up in the Houston area, uh, graduated from Aldine Nimitz High School uh, after a short stint at Booker T. Washington High School. Uh, and then I went up to play Division II ball, play receiver at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, uh, after which I, uh, you know, I didn't even know if I really wanted to coach. My dad was a coach in the Houston area uh, for over 30 years. Mom is an educator. Heck, my sister's a coach. Uh, and they were all still in education, um, but after working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for, for a little bit uh, and realizing, you know, I, I wasn't really passionate about about that uh, that job and that experience, even though I, it was a great learning experience, uh, I decided to get into the coaching profession, um, and I haven't looked back. Uh, I started out at the middle school level, like most coaches do, um, at Woodland Acres Middle School, which is in Galena Park ISD, uh, and I'm glad. I'm glad for it. I mean, we weren't very good. I don't think we won a football game while I was coaching there. But I got an opportunity to really learn uh, how to coach and how to deal with with, with young people. Uh, even though I, I think I, I had a great idea about it, you know, well before I entered the arena. Uh, after being at Willow Acres for a few years, I transitioned over to Galena Park High School, uh, a part of Coach Razor Pay's staff. Razor Pay is the athletic uh, director over in Fair. Uh, and from there, after about two or three years for Coach Cepeda, then I transitioned to North Shore. John Kay was my middle school coach way back in, in the 90s. And, um, you know, when he got the job at North Shore, you know, I, I reached out to him and, and was afforded an opportunity to join his staff. Uh, from there, of course, we had great success. In the five years I was there, won two state championships. Uh, just missed the opportunity to be a part of the third one, but, I, you know, the whole time I always wanted to get to the, the top level in the profession, still still ambitious in, in this profession. Uh, and Lovey Smith afforded me the opportunity to join his staff at Illinois uh, at the beginning of the 2019 season. 
we, we got to a bowl game for the first time uh, since 2014 there. Uh, it was an outstanding experience, not only for me professionally, but, but personally too. Uh, Lovey Smith is a guy that, you know, I, I often told people, you know, 10 years ago, I was watching Lovey Smith coach the Bears in the Super Bowl versus, you know, Peyton Manning. And, you know, I can, I can remember, he, he allowed me to go out and recruit. And I was on a private jet with Lovey Smith. Like, you know, it's easy to be starstruck and, you know, but he, he really helped me. Uh, and that whole staff helped me transition uh, into this college football world pretty smoothly. Uh, and then here in March, uh, Coach Jeff Trailer, who I kind of knew through, uh, obviously, rec the recruiting when he was at SMU in Texas and Arkansas, uh, he, had, he afforded me the opportunity to come back uh, to Texas as a director of player personnel here with his initial staff at UTSA. So it's been it's been an awesome ride so far, and I, I hope it gets better uh, as I continue, you know, progressing in 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 the, in the coaching world. So absolutely, absolutely. I know what I've seen uh, just from you, man, is that you stayed humble. You've been you've been that guy, man. If I if I ever need something as a recruiting coordinator, as a high school coach. I can reach out to you and you don't hesitate to hit me back and let me know, you know, what, what needs to happen to, to make things happen. So, man, I, I really appreciate that. I know for a lot of coaches who are ambitious, it sometimes seems that we're looking ahead. Yeah. How do you stay focused on where you are and being where your feet are? You know, I, I'll confess that I, I, I've been guilty of, of that as well. And, you know, I think a lot of coaches, if not all, kind of kind of fight those temptations, you know, year in and year out as opportunities present themselves. I think um, the somewhere around, you know, 2015, 2016, after we won that first state championship, uh, something in my mind kind of switched. I've always been aggressive in pursuing my goals, um, but the way I was pursuing trying to get to this level, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't think I was doing it the right way. Like I, I, I felt like I was almost begging at times to, to try to get the opportunity instead of kind of just working on uh, improving my craft and making sure that the product that I display, whether that product be me or the things that I was presenting as a recruiting coordinator about my players and the manner in which I went about presenting, uh, I just needed to put more effort into that. And, you know, they always say, um, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, people will come get you. I agree with that to a point, but you, know, you still got to kind of tell some people what you want to do for them to know to come get you. Uh, but, but, you know, it helps to have good kids. And uh, I was really willing to uh, help those kids achieve their goals. Uh, and in that, people started to rely on me as a resource, so to speak. You know, uh, may, maybe they weren't going to get my kid, but they were looking for a kid. And I might know a kid down the street or whatever. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, people are asking me to evaluate a guy. And that's kind of how the Illinois thing kind of developed. Uh, evaluate this guy for me. Tell me what you think. And when my evaluation kind of matched up with theirs, I think that's what kind of led me to an opportunity. I guess, you know, not looking ahead, but just being a master of your craft where you're at. You know what I mean? And then, uh, but also still, you know, making sure people understand where you want to be, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, my mom always told me closed mouths don't get fed. So you, you definitely have to speak up about what you want. Uh, and at the same time, man, I'm with you. It's a, you know, master in your craft because nobody wants you at the next level. if You're not succeeding at the level that you're at right now. That's just, no just a fact. Absolutely.
Now, man, I know it's been a it's been a crazy few months. Uh, I was telling my kids and my wife not too long ago. I was like, yeah, "Can you believe we went to spring break and we never went back?" <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, COVID is crazy. You know, and, and at that time, you know, I was just kind of transitioning into this job, um, and I remember, you know, they they wanted me to start on March first, and I drove down. Me and my me and my youngest daughter Jordan, we drove down fourteen hours, drove to Houston hung out with my parents for a day, then drove to San Antonio with my wife, drove up when she was like, I'm gonna come down on spring break. Um, so I, I had to rush to try to find a place to live within you know, a few days, not knowing that when she came down, that we were gonna be stuck in the house from that point <laughs> forward. You know? <laughs> so while, I, while I'm, I'm, I'm learning about you know, the people that I'm working with, uh, the toughest thing is learning about them from, you know, from a distance. So. Uh, we're, we're we're figuring it out just like everybody else in the country is figuring it out. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, there's could be a lot of negative to be said with the pandemic. You know, obviously people are are, are sick and uh, some people have passed away. But one of the positive positives that I picked up, uh, actually, it's multiple positives. Uh, number one is that I was so focused on my work that uh, I was almost neglecting my family to a certain extent. You know, I was so so locked into it. Uh, but I was able to reconnect with, with wife and kids and, you know, it, being in the house for 10 straight weeks together can do that to you. You know, you oh, no. oh, no. reconnect or you, are you ready to butt heads with everybody? But, it, you know, oh, yeah. you find out if you like somebody when you have to sit in the house with them for two months. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Know, but I, I definitely agree. Yes. Uh, another thing is uh, I've learned to, uh, from there's nonstop coaching clinics happening online, Zoom clinics here, Zoom clinics there. So I became more tech savvy than I've ever been and learned a lot more ball than I've, I've ever learned, maybe too much. You know, I'm trying to forget some stuff because I want to do everything now. But right. it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting how we're able to connect. Uh, for you, uh, what were you able to pull with taking this new role? Because uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, Illinois is director of uh, recruiting, correct? Director of high school relations. High school um, relations. Illinois, yeah. And then here is director of player personnel. I would say, you know, while it was high school relations there, I think I did more more stuff with the recruiting than necessarily what your typical high school relations guy does uh, in most mm-hmm. places. I think in that role, at a lot of places, that guy is usually like a retired coach or somebody that's, you know, a, a a former player of the program, well-respected, uh, maybe in that state, uh, and all they do is reconnect with the coaches in the state. Um, you know, that was kind of my role, but at the same time, you know, Coach Smith wanted to build a, uh, wanted to continue to build relationships here in the city of Houston. Um, and I guess, you know, he felt like I was a person that had some deep relationships here, which I felt that to be true as well. Uh, and well, what was crazy about that role is typically when you're off the field, you don't get to travel and go out and recruit. Well, we had a, we had a, one of our assistants who was kind of, kind of down uh, on his health and that allowed me to be be activated to be on the road and recruit. So um, in terms of professional growth, I know this kind of all over the place in my answer, but in terms of professional growth, like one of the objections that I continuously heard was either, how would you be in a room or what's your background in recruiting? 
So now mm-hmm. I got to, I mean, that's, oh, that's a, that's something I can check off the list. Like you, you can't deny me because of that anymore. Cause uh-huh. I mean, not only can I recruit Houston, but they sent me down to, to South Georgia and Atlanta. That was great. They sent me down to Tampa, um, Clearwater, that area. That was great. Uh, heck I even got to, uh, we pursued a kid up in Canada. So I got to go to Canada wow. um, to, to go after a guy. So, you know, all, that whole experience was, was just awesome. Uh, but I, what I did learn that prepared me for this job was just the evaluation piece. Um, you know, sit, sitting in my seat at North Shore, you know, I'm, I'm politicking for my guys, you know, trying to figure out, trying to, trying to convince guys when my guys the best take uh, for each program. And a lot of times I didn't compare them to guys that were, you know, outside the city. Now I compare them to guys in the city because I see those guys most often at camps and things like that. But uh, when you're sitting in the seat, especially like at a power five place that recruits national, uh, you're comparing the guys everywhere. Uh, and what you see, what you saw as, as, you know, assets as a coach, you know, they don't look like assets when you're comparing them to some guy down in Florida or Georgia or wherever, <laughs> wherever they're at. So it just kind of gave me a broader perspective on the whole recruiting game. Um, here, I'm, I'm getting an opportunity to, to figure out how to lead a little bit more, um, you know, or, or, and, and how to make sure that I'm organized to help the guys uh, that are actually recruiting the guys on the, on a day-to-day basis uh, be more efficient in the processes. So it's all been a great, great experience. Uh, and ultimately, I think both of these situations kind of will help me be a better coach once I get the opportunity to coach again, just because now I got a well-rounded perspective of, you know, what different parts of the building are, are having to do or what they're responsible for. So absolutely. that was, uh, that was actually leading to my next question. So uh, I'll take it all the way back to Illinois. So leaving high school, showing up in Illinois and finding your role. Uh, how, how different was that for you? Not necessarily being the hands-on coach and on the field coach uh, and understanding everybody's role within because most high school programs aren't set up like college programs. No doubt. You know, when you think about your role in a high school, um, you probably can, can, can say the same about your role. You know, I'm the recruiting coordinator. I'm the receiver coach. I'm the, the JV offensive coordinator. I'm the I'm teaching business. You know, you're, you're passing out equipment. You're doing strength. You're doing everything. You know what I mean? Um, when you get to college, you got somebody that that's their full-time job. Every, every single part of this full-time job. So, you know, that was, to me, that was like mind blowing. Even, it's not like I didn't know, but just seeing it firsthand is like, man, y'all really got it good. All you got to do is focus in on, on, on ball, you know, uh, or recruiting, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, so, you know, kind of, but, but the biggest, the biggest thing to me was that I, I struggled with initially was just not being in the room, you know what I mean? So Andrew Hayes Stoker, he's, uh, he's from the, from the Dallas Fort Worth area. He's the receiver coach there. man. I do. He looked out for me up there. A lot of a lot of guys looked out for me. I mean, I feel like I'm a nice guy. I connect well with different types of people, and, and it was easy to connect with guys from various backgrounds. But I know Stoker had a had a great uh, great influence on me having an opportunity to be there. Uh, him being a receiver coach and him knowing I my my love and passion for that position, you know, I said in his meetings, you know, two or three times a week, just to kind of you know get my fix. Uh, of course, I was awesome. at every 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 practice hanging around his drills and I think 
the the evaluation go back to the evaluation piece him asking me about a guy and me giving him my my evaluation even though it wasn't my guy kind of also led to him trusting me as an extra set of eyes on his position so um you know if I came back and said hey you know Casey didn't get out of his break that well you know or Kyron you know didn't catch that ball whatever it may be you know I don't think he shunned me like some coaches may do to guys that really don't you know don't have that group or they may not trust or whatever it may be so you know I got my fix a little bit and coach trailer he's been great about he's forcing me hey I want you in that receiver room I want you in those position meetings but I also want you doing your job too um don't neglect your job but I think you know it kind of goes back to you know what we what we initially talked talking about just your growth and development and how you continue to progress you know part of Part of getting here was telling somebody that I wanted to be here, but part of continuing to grow is telling people where I want to grow too, uh, and hoping that the people that that have hired you support and will uh, push you toward those goals that you want to achieve. I think Coach K was awesome with that. I wouldn't be here if if, if Razor paid it too. I wouldn't be here if those guys didn't uh, then entrust me or or trust me to do some some things that maybe uh, they typically wouldn't trust guys to do. Coach K, you know, he would tell me, hey, if you see something that needs to be done, do it. And, you know, you do it how you want to do it. And then if you're doing too much, I'll let you know. Um, So it just got to the point where, you know, I would see something, I would do it. And then, you know, when he, then I would come to him and ask him, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, when he say, yeah, I like that, well, then I'd be like, it's already done. So I just wanted okay. to make sure, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do it, make yeah. sure I was doing the right thing, whatever it may be. Yeah. But I think, though, you know, just gaining, gaining that level of trust and responsibility kind of has always fueled or, or helped me along the way. Uh, and it's helping no me doubt. out. No doubt. No doubt. Man, and I, and I think about the movement. You know, it's, uh, it's one thing, uh, like I was in my own situation. Um, we were we were in DFW for ten years, and then I say, "Honey, we we going to Houston." She said, "All right, let's go." Uh, and, I said, and when it was time to go back, she said, "Okay." I said, "We're going to Dallas." She said, "Okay, let's go." Uh, yeah. You know, if anything was to come up, if I was going to you know Austin, San Antonio, wherever right now, she said, "Okay, let's go." So how yeah. instrumental is it for you to have just a, a, that family dynamic where they can support you when the when the moves come? Man, I, I I'm blessed. No lie. Um, you know, when me and my wife were dating is when I transitioned into coaching. And I remember telling her, like, look, this is the life of a coach. You know, we could be here one day and we can be somewhere else another day. So really, if, you, if you're not really down for that, this, here, here's your out. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speak now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, speak now because this could, be a, this could be a crazy ride. You know, and of course, you know, sometimes when we're trying to make decisions on opportunities, if they're right, there, there's some there's some deep discussion, but obviously when, when she allowed me to move her all the way to Illinois and now all the way back to San Antonio, she's in it. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and if we if, if we were to have to move somewhere else, I think she she gets it now, uh, especially if it's helping us progress toward you know whatever the ultimate goal is. Um, you know, she moved she moved during her lifetime. Our parents worked for Conoco Phillips, so she she moved from like Oklahoma to Colorado to Texas. I grew up, my parents still had the same house that I grew up in. So yeah. I never moved. So, you know, 
I'm kind of all about it just because, you know, my kids have gotten to see three different areas you know, in the past year and a half that um, I would have never, I never saw when I was a kid. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't happen if, if she doesn't support, you know, my goals or whatever. Uh, luckily, she's in. The, she's a teacher and librarian, so that allows her some easy transitions. But um, what she knows is if I if I can get to the right spot, then she'll be on scholarship and doesn't have to doesn't have to go to work. <laughs> That's right. Early retirement. That's where that yeah. wife keeps uh, pressing for me. She's a she's an assistant principal, a high school assistant principal. She's like, you know, I'm good to move, but you know, I, I don't mind retiring anytime soon if that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All in your yeah. lap here. So. It's got, it's got to be some. It's got to be some faith involved, though. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you, you're moving your you and your family to to a whole different area, and then you know I can adjust because I'm gonna be around these dudes all day every day. But then she has to find a new set of friends and people to kind of live her life while I'm coaching or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you yep, gotta, gotta you're stepping out on faith. And, yes. And sometimes those moves, like it ain't always the best financial move either, you know, sometimes mm. you're taking a step back to, to take two steps forward. Uh, and you got to trust that she, she sees the, the whole vision. And I think my, my wife has been truly supportive of that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, not to get too heavy, but I can't, you know, I can't ignore what's, what's happening in the world right now. It's, uh, it's been, it's made for some hard conversations with my kids. Uh, you know, even with my wife, man, just, uh, just seeing, you know, how far we've come as, come as a nation, which is great, but we have so so much further to go. And right. making those moves can be tough, man. If you're, you know, you're moving, there's some things that that some people have to have to take into account that not everyone does. Like, uh, you know, you want to move to the right neighborhood, the right part of the country. You don't, you want to be somewhat comfortable when you move to these new places. No doubt. Uh, um, like the, uh, I think that you got to do some research. You know? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, gotta definitely research. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what your I don't know what your experience has been, but you know, just kind of touching on, on on the subject at hand. Like, I went to I went to Nimitz High School. If you know where Nimitz is, it's right near Greens Point. Yeah, and it's right near. We had kids from Acres Home. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then we had some kids from Humble. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it was a little bit of diversity, but. You know, Booker T, it was not diverse at all. Booker T was like the Studiwood Acres home. It's predominantly, predominantly African-American. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I transitioned to college at Harding University, and it's about 98% white. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, sometimes I think, uh, you know, the, the world uh, doesn't take into account, you know, the, the cultural... Um, differences uh or or how how we as black men or black people have to adjust to to different cultures when we get in when we get put in those situations you know like sometimes like i go to harding i remember going up there and i had a big afro i had used to wear braids because i was hot back in back in 99 2000 2001 i used to yeah yeah and i remember going up there wearing my platinum fubu and my (laughs) my sean john and feeling like a fish out of water um, yes. to the point where like I was so uncomfortable I cut my hair just because right. you know it's like man am I ever gonna gonna fit in this place if I don't you know change something about myself to fast forward I'm, I got to I got to feeling like 
heck, I'm I'm not being myself. And I grew my hair back. <laughs> and I got even more natural. I, I went with the dreads, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, you know, sports is, is, is something that brings a lot of different backgrounds together and allows you to have some difficult conversations uh, with people of different backgrounds. You know, I can remember having conversations with, with friends of mine that were not black, whether they were white, Hispanic, whatever, and we're just talking about the way we were raised uh, and why, uh, you know, black people see things this way compared to the way white people see them. You know, like, it was strange to me when people were, would say to me, man, I only had one or two black people in my town. Like, that blew my mind, coming from Houston. You know what I mean? But I, I, I know that's a, I know that's a reality. Um, and sometimes, you know, Coach Trailer, we had a we had a big team meeting the other day, lasted about two hours, you know, and Coach Trailer, um, before that meeting, he told us a story about, you know, his him growing up in Gilmer, Texas, and uh, him being the only white guy on the, on the basketball team, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just those different, those different things that, you know, we go through uh, in life. I, I think we're fortunate to be involved in sports because uh, – they, while, you know, those things still exist, the, the, the struggle still exists within sports, I think they're more apt to kind of disappear when you're in a locker room kind of fighting for one common cause. No doubt. No, that's very well put. Uh, I, I tend to, like, we have a very similar, you know, background as far as I was, I was in the Houston area. That's where I was born and raised, but I was born in New Waverly, Texas, a little mm-hmm. small town. I mean, 800 people in the town. And my mother was the first uh, African-American administrator in, in, at the Woodlands. So mm-hmm. I went to elementary school at the Woodlands and I looked around and I was one of two black kids in the class. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I was looked at, n- n- nothing major, but I was looked at differently. Uh, no. later, she moved back home and she, you know, she wanted to go be a principal in her hometown and change the academic uh, surroundings. And so I went there and predominantly African-American and I, I, I'm looked at as uh, like, why does he speak so clearly? Why is he, what, mm-hmm. what's wrong with him here? So, you know, mm-hmm. you're torn with that. I, I went to a little small, I uh, went to Austin College in Sherman. Uh, and so same type of deal, man. It was predominantly white. And, you know, I, I had the uh, I had the Afro, I had the braids, but I also had the fake gold grill. You know I mean, mm-hmm. I, was, I was so, mm-hmm. you can, <laughs> did you, you admit? <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting though, because, all these years later, with things happening, I have uh, old teammates who just reach out and, you know, we talk anyway. You, you right. You've been touched, but it's a text saying, I knew I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was quite like this. And, right. And, and it's opening up dialogue. And I'm like, man, you don't, you don't need to apologize. I've been black all my life. I'm just glad we're we're having good dialogue to try to bring our country back together instead of things okay. falling apart, you know. Yeah. I, I, I've struggled, you know, I see all people putting these posts up and all that kind of stuff. I struggle with that kind of stuff because, you know, while just like you, I'm educated, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes topics like this bring like a rage, like, you know, they, they make me want to get out of character, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I also struggle with how do I, how do I help um, or how do I um, aid in the cause um and you know i'll put it to you this way i think as as african americans sometimes we sh- we struggle to voice our opinions the way we really want want to for fear of professional uh retributions like 
professional uh, consequences. Um, and now what you're seeing, I think, is a lot of people that just say, screw it. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I looked at the kid from Florida State, you know, like, yeah, Marv, man, yeah. Big Marv, like, that's, that's, I mean, if it wasn't right, you know, before mm-hmm. people speak up, you know, and now he has a form and feels empowered to speak up. And now it's it's a different a different type of accountability piece that's that we're seeing happening mm-hmm. uh, at this moment. You know, we had a discussion, and I give again I give a lot of credit to Coach Trailer and how he's attacking everything that's going on. He's about action. He wants to be about action, you know. And he's asking the questions how, um, you know. But he he wants to make sure he says things the right way because mm-hmm. you know the topics are sensitive. The people are digging into what you're saying uh, with a fine tooth comb, and if you don't say it the right way, it could trigger some some anger in some folks that you know that's been suppressed for a long time. So, just um, a very very interesting time, like you said, great com- great conversations. Um, I had a friend of mine call me this morning and just you know just kind of tell me, hey, I'm calling you about some non football stuff. This white guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to tell you, I got your back. I said, bro, you didn't have to call me. You know, we're like, <laughs> like if you if you just you just call me and, and just talk football. I mean, that tells me you got my back. You know, like mm-hmm. long, long, the, the conversation I want you to have is with the people who talk about the people that look like me when I'm not around. Like how that kind of that's how that's how you can have my back. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I appreciate him calling, whatever. You know, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know. It's, it's, it's an interesting time. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And, you know, I, I get those calls, and I, I show them grace because even though it's not new to me, it's it's apparently very new to them. You know, this is something they, they had no idea what was going on uh, because they think it's all, you know, everything's fine. It's, it's all jokes. It's Everything's okay. Uh, right. It's real, you know, everybody get, you know has an altercation here or there. Everybody has a misunderstanding here or there. And you know, so but why? You know what I mean? That what's I think, the I think why? That yeah. that's the why. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife, my wife has been getting on my on my case because she's feel she feels like like social media is dominating my my uh, my my time right now. Like I'm overly consumed with what's going on, and I kind of got into a discussion with uh, a former coach of mine, and my my question to him just consistently was. But why? Why are you saying this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand yes. you may feel this way, but how does this help us move toward, uh, you know, coming closer together or a conversation about love or peace or whatever it may be? Like, why? You know, mm-hmm. and if you can, if you don't even know why, he probably shouldn't be. He probably shouldn't be throwing, you know, these, these statements out there or, or bringing bringing up conversation that could potentially divide or or, or you know draw attention to more hate. Things like that. So, um, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, know. you're you're speaking a hundred percent truth, man. Because you know, there's even guys I work with, and you know, or I have worked with in the past, and we've had. I had lunch today with a. I hadn't seen since before the quarantine. I hadn't seen this this gentleman, and we had we had lunch today over some a, a misunderstanding of of our views, and we sat down and we talked and. I mean, it was it was one of those. Days. I may, I think maybe I was just happy I could sit in the restaurant again because we're opened up around here now. So that might be one thing. But we just had ate lunch, talked, uh, and spoke our truth. 
And the best part about that was that two people were listening to each other. It wasn't right. listening to argue. I'm listening to understand. Right. Right. Crazy. It's, it's, it's a crazy time, man. I, I, <laughs> speaking, speaking of those kind of conversations, I remember like in, at Harding, I was probably known for just kind of saying things off the cuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, as soon as they came to my mind, I, I would say them. Uh, yeah. And a friend of mine texted me. Uh, I think I posted, I don't know what I posted. Maybe I, I, I retweeted something. He, he, he looked at it, white friend of mine. He, he said, man, I remember we were sitting around and we we're talking and you, you said, you know, something about me not liking black people. I'm like, really? Okay. He's like, but, but, you know, but then I, I made the comment, well, I got seven black guys number in my phone and plus, you know, you and someone else. And you said, the fact that you don't know how many black guys are your fault, that, you know, that, that furthers my point. He's like, but, you know, it made me think, like, I can't use, you know, one, why am I counting? Two, why am I using this as a defense? Like, he's like, since that day, my whole perspective has changed. But I mean, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about. Like, if we never had that conversation, what kind of what kind of perspective would he have? And I, I think, I mean, luckily, we were we were already friends. Um, mm -hmm. so it's okay. It was okay to have, uh, to be outright, be, you know, be direct in, in, you know, in the discussion. Um, mm -hmm. but some people that aren't friends that are trying to have those discussions and they're not coming off as, uh, as polite or as, uh, <laughs> welcoming. Uh, yes. as that one. <laughs> Absolutely. It is what it I is. Think, uh, yeah, exactly right. And, uh, <laughs> Will be always will be because I think it's okay to agree to disagree, man. I'm in a, I'm in a situation where, uh, and not really a situation, just a conversation I had, and it was based on Drew Brees' most recent comments. And with me, you know what? I can respect the fact that he has the right to say and feel what he has, whatever he thinks, and I also have the right to not agree with anything he says. And that doesn't mean that I'm 100% right, he's 100% wrong, or vice versa. It means we agree to disagree. You'll never mm -hmm. see it the way I see it, and it's because your, your ears are blind, and I'll never see it the way you, you see it, because my ears are blind. We haven't lived the same experiences, so we won't see it the same way. And we can respect no. each other's opinion to not agree and be done with it. I, I'd rather know who he, who he is and what he stands for than, you know, and suppress it and, and, and be doing something different, you know. When, yeah, the, the when only I, outrage I had was the fact that he he uh, apologized for it. I mean, say what you say, man, to stand by it. Yeah, so yeah. that's a big thing for me. But I agree, man. I'd rather, much rather know who you are than have to guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, to change gears. This is the last part of it, man. I just uh, – there hadn't been much sports on at all, you know, and, and my son, my 14 year old, he is so, uh, he's a, he loves basketball, man, to the point where he found NBA TV and he watched every old finals. He's like, dad, I just watched Kobe in his prime against the Celtics. He's like, dad, I just watched the old, when, when LeBron came back from 3-1, then he, he, he just watched them all on the road for days. I had to be like, man, turn it off. Then the last dance came on. And we mm -hmm. went down as a family, and I relived my childhood uh, growing up in New Waverly, Texas, with 19 channels on our cable box, and one of them was WGN, and I got to see Michael Jordan live, and that's, that changed my whole life. 
But I think one of the biggest things for me, man, was watching the, the, the coaching aspect of Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. And managing all of those different personalities. And, and I learned, like, there's so many lessons. So coaching a superstar, coaching a wild card, coaching a guy who's underappreciated and doesn't necessarily have all the confidence in himself, coaching under the uh, – under the supervision of not so great leadership. Like those are all things that coaches have to go through and he handled it beautifully. Uh, but were there any, any takeaways you got from the last stands? I, I feel, Phil was magnificent to be honest with you. You know, I, I think the championship teams are all going to have those type of personalities. And if you don't, if you, I mean, I, I get it like old school, old, old school, old school coaches, you know, they want it one way and only one way. And if it ain't this way, my dad used to say, this uh, is my way or the highway. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you can always manage uh, talented guys just one way. Now, you can be fair with all of them, but mm-hmm. fair to one ain't the, ain't, ain't the same as fair to the other. You know, or, or, you know, the way you coach one and get the best out of them, you can't, you can't be the same across the board. I, I, I just, I just love that, that part of it, like you were saying. Uh, obviously, you know, Michael Jordan and his greatness, you know what I mean? Like the way he challenges guys. I think the big takeaway is nothing, you know, one of the big takeaways for me was nothing I ever asked these dudes to do or, or demanded of them, I wasn't doing myself. So, you know, mm-hmm. to see him, you know, leading the sprints or, you know, whatever it is that, that we were going through. And he made some, obviously he had to make some sacrifices for the team as well. You know, when you look at Dennis Rodman going to, to Vegas, you know, for a weekend and then mm-hmm. him, the team having to get in shape. It wasn't like Michael said, I'm going to sit up. Mike was like, go, Dennis, you know. I'll, and then he had to go get him. And then basically <laughs> he had to do the equivalent of what, you know, what the kids would call punishment when he got yeah. back to get him in shape. You know, to me that you're making a sacrifice uh, uh, even though you're being demanding on the rest of those teammates. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. He, yeah. I, obviously there's some things that, that Mike, Mike did that people would, would say was uh, – wasn't right or whatever, but I guarantee you that that happens on every championship. If I could tell, if I told you some of the stories about uh, the championship season uh, mm-hmm. of that Hail Mary, like I could write a book. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> every every team got them those kind of issues, and uh, I guess one when you, when your leadership is great and and they understand how to how to manage and support. Uh, the coaches and then allow them to go and manage and support the players and uh, and have a great understanding of, of the personalities. I think the biggest takeaway is none of, none of the managing, so to speak, happens without great relationships. Uh, you know, whether it's with, I mean, you might not like Mike or, or the things that he, you know, the way he went about things, but I think those guys respected Mike uh, because they knew the way he grinded. Um, mm-hmm. I think Phil is a weird guy, a Zen master, whatever. But mm-hmm. man, it's it's hard to it's hard to overlook his his greatness with the with the cast that he had to to bring together to win not just one championship, but six of them things. So, yeah, think about that six and zero in the nineties. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 it was a beautiful piece. I thought it was oh. beautiful. So well done. So well done, man. I know one, one thing for me, just 
me and Mike, I was like, okay, we might be the same type of psycho because I used to make up stuff in my head all the time to make myself oh, yeah. motivated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good game. You told me good game. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. saying, so, is he think he got me? So it, yeah. And yeah. I think that that war, has worn off on my kids too. That's the way they approach it too. I'm like, yeah. right, see, I, I would tell my receivers, man. I would say, man, you need to be competing against guys when they don't even know you're competing against them. Still yes. they win. You know, like uh, uh, yeah, I think I think Michael was the epitome of that. Like, okay, yeah, I see. I, dudes didn't even know, you know, why he was going at him. That was that was, that was uh, crazy. <laughs> I also like the fact that after he got you a couple of times, he would remind you wherever you were. So Patrick, you yeah. walking back backstage. You're like, yeah, remember? He's like, nah, don't start that, Mike. Don't start that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Greatness is greatness. Yeah. Well, man, Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to chat with me, man. It's uh, it's always good to connect with the, with a man I respect so much, brother, because all, all the things you've done and continue to do are are just amazing. So, uh, one thing that I've been doing this is season one of the Thirty for Thirty. So I've never done anything like this before. I'm not tech savvy, uh, but what I'm doing is allowing each guest to to name their Thirty for Thirty. So in, if there's a mission statement, if there's one thing that you live by. Uh, and it was it was your thirty for thirty, Joe Price. What would be the tagline for? The 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 quote that stands out in in my mind is is from my grandmother, uh, and it, it's not grammatically correct. It you know, it's it's plan your work, work your plan. You know, like mm. yeah, I, I know I know I know people have spinoffs on that. You know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But my grandmother, she's from Sealsby, Texas. Um, and she had, you know, country lady. She she was a cafeteria cook for, you know, most of her life. Plan your work, work your plan. That's that's kind of that's kind of what I live by. Have having have some goals in mind, and then figure out how to how to work your way to to achieving all the things that you wanna wanna achieve. And then, you know, it don't happen overnight. You know what I mean? So, plan your work, work your plan. Man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Coach, man, I appreciate this, and uh, just uh, you, you bless us with it. If uh, anybody wants to follow you on Twitter, I know you probably are getting inundated with, with huddle links, but if anybody just wants to follow you for the good content you post, you go ahead and shout your Twitter out. Send them. Send, send the huddle links, too. I need, I, need, <laughs> I need all the help I can get here in this state, uh, but my Twitter is CoachJP3. Simple as that. All right, thank you. This is another episode, and uh, we hope to uh, reconnect soon, Coach.